Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matthew Egan, Editorial Director of Strategy Next. Thank you so much for joining us on whatever medium you choose to consume your podcasts. This is the Strategy Next podcast. It's aligned with strategynext.com.au and the Strategy Next series. The purpose of the Strategy Next podcast is to showcase some really cool ideas. So we're looking at uh, at some of the most innovative technologies that are that are rising into the enterprise, and we're speaking with some of the real change makers and the real leaders uh, in these technologies to really try to understand how much of an impact these technologies are going to have uh, in the way that we all work. Um, so for the first episode, I actually had the opportunity to speak with Jamie Skeller. Jamie is the Chief Product Officer at Horizon State. Now, I've got to say, he is one of the best thought leaders um, that, that I've currently interviewed over the sort of last 12, 24 months. And um, his kill zone is, is in blockchain. And uh, Horizon State is doing some tremendous things around blockchain technology. And Jamie has a, a wonderful ability of, uh, of illuminating this technology in a way that hopefully um, people can sort of start to think about how it might be readily applied into their own businesses. So without further ado, um, the following is, is an interview that we did with Jamie. I do hope you enjoy it. Any feedback, feel free to um, jump onto strategynext.com.au and shoot it through. And we look forward to showcasing more ideas with you shortly. Jamie Skeller, thanks so much for joining us, Chief Product Officer from Horizon State. Thanks for having me. Now, Jamie, I'm going to do something um, that you're probably going to be pretty happy about because I assume every time you get interviewed on, on blockchain and what you're doing at Horizon State, you have to um, spend the first three or four minutes explaining blockchain. So I'm going to flip it over and I'm going to explain it to you and then perhaps you can um, fill in the gaps. Does that sound like a plan? Awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So from my understanding, blockchain is a ledger-based technology. Deconstructing that a little bit more, it's a technology system that's run by a computing power that's distributed through a, a technology infrastructure system. And in this ledger-based technology, for an application to run using the blockchain, uh, you need to leverage off the computing power of all of the te- uh, of all of the infrastructure within the system and uh, what that does is it creates a transparency in how the technology is being consumed. How did I go? It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty close. I think in terms of explanations, it's, it's relatively on the mark, albeit at a high level. But it's, <laughs> it's, really, it's really the result of this uh, new kind of network, uh, this, this peer-to-peer decentralized network that actually creates opportunities for mediated models and efficiencies where they might not have previously existed. And so, um, obviously, the most commonly understood application for blockchain so far is is, uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. This lets individuals participate in an economic fashion without middlemen, without banks, without intermediaries, uh, with incredibly low fees and almost instant settlement times and uh, borderless transactions down to, you know, 18 decimal places. So you can start to think about, you know, nano payments, beyond even micro payments, which, which creates some really interesting commercial opportunities uh, as well. So applications which have nothing to do with finance at all, and they, they use these transactions on this synchronized, distributed record book, effectively. It's more or less what it is. It's a digital record book that's synchronized uh, and stored in uh, tens of thousands of places around the world at any one time. 
you know, we, we're talking about potential Spotify competitors where most of your money goes to the artists instead of to a, a centralized business. We're talking um, about PowerLedger over in Perth who are creating peer-to-peer energy trade rather than needing to buy from the big boys. And then there's what I'm doing at Horizon State, which is utilizing a decentralized uh, database, the blockchain, uh, to create a record of the result, which is unhackable. And it's not owned by the government. It's not owned by us not owned by any one individual and this prevents tampering it prevents modification of that result uh which is great for democracy perfect we'll have a look at horizon state um because it's such an interesting story so uh but ultimately if we're visualizing uh blockchain technology you know and and looking at it with bitcoin in the banks it's about there's there's no longer ba or a big bank on the high street that's holding all of the information that's evenly distributed through the the participants of the currency is that right yes that's right so there there is no central bank there is no federal reserve this is this is rule of code it's it's all math it's, it's basically math and cryptography and some other really novel concepts such as proof of work and, and what you end up with is a system where you can trade in a trustless environment with perfect trust in your action in the transaction um it's 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 not necessarily new from a holistic perspective. I mean, distributed systems and distributed ledgers and asymmetric cryptography has, has, has been around for, for decades now. But it's, this is a beautiful, beautiful blend of these technologies to create something that is, that is quite literally a, a revolution, technologically, uh, technologically speaking. When we're looking at this and, and the current applications, I mean, this is always the biggest thing with new technologies. I feel like um, we're introduced to them via, you know, as you said, the Bitcoin and, and other, I, I guess, emerging sort of innovations within the technology. What other applications do you think this this could bring to, I guess, the enterprise as a well, whole? Well, enterprise adoption is interesting at this point in time. The internet and it's a very interesting discussions and debates that were going on sort of in the mid and late 90s about intranet versus the internet. There was um, a high amount of focus put on intranet uh, initially by many organizations. Um, uh, Bill Gates famously talked about the intranet playing a far more significant role than what it does today. But the, the benefits of the open decentralized web turned out to be far greater in, in many regards. And uh, after some time, enterprise warmed up to, to using these, these public networks for, for much of what they do, as opposed to being strictly internet-based. And I think we're going to see similar sorts of themes play out with blockchain because you have public blockchains such as Bitcoin uh, and Ethereum. Now, Ethereum is fully programmable. It's Turing complete, which means you can run decentralized applications on top of it, whereas Bitcoin, while there is a language, uh, you know, it is, it is, it is, it can be scripted for, but it is, uh, it's much more restricted. And then you've got lots of other public networks as well, such as Dash and Zcash and Monero and Litecoin and uh, Ethereum. Now, these all have, uh, well, most of them have some properties which just can't be achieved on what are currently sort of enterprise-grade blockchains such as uh, IBM Ledger, which is true censorship resistance, true decentralization, true immutability. Because whenever you have a network which is ultimately in the control of one organization, that actually increases the security risk. It makes things easier to hack. It creates uh, greater greater vectors for attack if anybody ever wished to do so. And so I think over time, we'll start to see that, that same trend repeat. You know, as they say, history doesn't necessarily repeat, but it, but it does rhyme. And I think we're going to see early adoption here of technologies such as IBM, uh, IBM's Hyperledger, 
But over time, we'll start to see more and more enterprise businesses uh, adopt public chains for various things, whether it is uh, exchanges of value, uh, quite literally financial transactions to lower fees and create efficiencies and remove perhaps um, some headcount from the middle or back office and, and boost bottom lines that way. Brand new novel ways of actually uh, sort of evolving and innovating their, their core model to utilise this kind of technology for benefit. So there is a bit of a stigma around blockchain at the moment that it's just for the FSI industry. Is, are your observations that, that this could transcend other, other industries and it's just sort of about finding a solution? Absolutely. The, the, most, the most exciting uh, opportunities for blockchain are in industries that most people I don't think would, would lead to upon sort of first considering what the technology is. Uh, but I mentioned earlier, you know, a, a potential Spotify competitor. This isn't a hypothetical. There are already uh, numerous businesses firing up on the blockchain that intended to create disintermediate, disintermediated versions of, of that same concept where the interface, uh, where the technology itself is run by a foundation and we were able to create a much more equitable environment for artists and for consumers. And so, um, you know, the, all of the music that you consume and you love uh, and you're grateful for, um, a lot more of your 13 bucks, uh, in fact, almost all of it would go to the artists that you've been listening to just as one example. We also have peer-to-peer energy trade, um, so giving people the opportunity on microgrids to throw up some solar panels and then sell excess power to their neighbours who need it in an automatic uh, and instantaneous fashion. So there's lots of really, really interesting uh, applications for the technology that go far beyond what is strictly finance. One one other example, well, two other examples which might be of particular interest to any uh, people from enterprise that are listening. One is um, file storage. And the other one is compute. So right now, you might go off to Amazon, as an example, AWS, to um, basically purchase space or purchase compute, uh, external compute, uh, cloud compute. And there are a few startups in this space right now working on uh, decentralizing and disintermediating uh, those operations as well. Uh, There's one called SIA, spelled S-I-A, which is uh, more or less enterprise-grade file storage, but in in a decentralized manner. And so... While you might be using AWS or Dropbox or Box, uh, whatever the case is, the files are decentralized in the sense that they are replicated and they're put on servers all around the world. But what this enables is true decentralization of those files uh, by storing them sliced up and uh, with many redundant copies uh, in an encrypted manner on computers that you either assign or computers that are already spun up um, by members of the public all around the world. And so you get something that, again, um, is scary upon first consideration, but upon a, a deep dive, you actually uh, appreciate that all of a sudden that data is, is, uh, is far more secure than what it might be with existing solutions. So, yeah, lots of great stuff happening, uh, some which will be of immediate and direct benefit to enterprise, some which will be of immediate and direct benefit uh, right now with closed solutions, with private blockchains, and others, I think, later on that we'll see uh, even greater rewards with, with public infrastructure. This is um, all pretty amazing. And I mean, when I hear the examples that you put forward, it's just kind of mind blowing at this point. And, uh, and it seems to just, you know, as I said, like, you know, you're identifying these unique solutions, uh, unique ways to use the technology. How do you think people should approach sort of trying to draw upon blockchain technology when looking to ideate or innovate or all that sort of thing within their business? How, how do you, how, and how do you go about sort of applying this, this new system into challenges that you might have? Well, for me, you know, I, I've never been one that tries to force adoption of new technology, but it's important to, to 
keep always, you know, having one eye on the horizon and thinking about what's coming and looking at emerging technology and thinking about what are, what are the implications for, for my business or what I'm working on. And this is really how I stumbled into this space to begin with. I was working with a, a not-for-profit democratic movement called My Vote. Their, uh, their model for governance really needed us to be able to engage people uh, to ask their opinion on issues that affect them frequently and with immediacy. And this really meant we had to start thinking about internet voting again and how we how we can, uh, I guess, do that with more integrity. And it just so happens I've been doing a lot of research into distributed ledger technology and blockchain technology at the time, and it, and it was just a bit of a light bulb moment. If we, for example, think about the properties of a Bitcoin transaction, which is it's perfectly accountable and it's perfectly transparent, it's irreversible, it's immutable, uh, it has post-unforgeable properties, then these all make terrific qualities of uh, a voting system, of a vote, in fact. Uh, and so it was really about trying to retrofit a blockchain transaction to, to represent a vote. And it turns out it works, and it works beautifully, and uh, now we're in the process of commercialising this on a, a global scale. So I guess, uh, you know, long answer short is just making sure that you are continually uh, exploring what's next. If you're a big business, having people dedicated to this pursuit, uh, I think it, it, it pays dividends over time uh, and significant ones to spend the money now bringing in smart people who are essentially your futurists. They're thinking about your model. They're thinking about what your model could be in the future. And they're looking at all of these brand new technologies and the combinations of technologies to think, how might you be impacted? What are the implications? Are we facing uh, some disruption on the, uh, on the horizon? Or are we okay? Uh, but, but you can't stop thinking about these things. Uh, otherwise, you absolutely will be leapfrog. Yeah, brilliant. You mentioned there the light bulb moment, and I do want to draw upon your history because it's it's quite a unique and colourful one in the sense that you have spent a lot of time in corporate, and particularly around that CX piece, which is a uh, you know a really burgeoning space in itself. Do you draw on those skill sets that that you kind of learned at Tats and AFL and things like that in order to be able to find these light bulb moments? I think um, uh, what underpins any good designer, which is really what I think I am. It just so happens you know, that I design different things. I design interfaces, I design technologies, and uh, most recently I've been designing businesses. But what underpins good design is really uh, an innate curiosity, continued self-education, really being curious enough to continue to, to uh, learn new things and understand new things, even when perhaps you're at a point in your career when you might not have to. And I think um, a willingness to embrace change and identify change as opportunity, uh, not as, uh, as a threat, because it can absolutely be either. But you will always be a victim of change if you're not taking advantage of it um, and, and creating opportunity out of it. But yeah, look, I've, um, I've always had a, a very passionate interest in user experience uh, and making products easier to use, humanizing them the best we can. I think, you know, it's cliche, but, but Apple has done such a tremendous job of, of this over the last 15 years. It's, it's really been pretty impressive, and a lot of their work has been an inspiration to me. And unfortunately, you know, the blockchain where it is right now is kind of like the internet in 94. You know, things are complex, things are unintuitive, things are confusing for people. And so being able to work on a, a voting solution using this technology and make sure that it is actually easy to use and it makes sense, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and, you know, the, the dev tools aren't great yet for, for blockchain, but we're getting there. But we've managed to do a good job of, of shouldering the complexity of this technology ourselves and making the voters' experience really seamless and frictionless and simple. Horizon State, where is it? Where it's at? Where is it at? And, and sort of where where is it going? Well, 
in a nutshell, it, it's blockchain voting. It's become much bigger than just voting. Um, and also it's important to recognise that voting is much more than just elected voting. That is the immediate connotation for most people when you talk about voting. It's voting in a prime minister or a president. But there are lots of democratic processes which require votes or opinion solicitation uh, in terms of enterprise. We talk about AGMs, we talk about shareholder voting. For NGOs, it's about membership and volunteer engagement. For enterprise, it's about staff engagement. For football clubs, membership engagement. So there's actually lots of kinds of organisations that we've been speaking to to utilise this technology primarily um, to be able to, I guess, solicit opinion on sensitive topics and do so with far more transparency and accountability than ever before, which delivers far more confidence and trust than ever before. It's, it's really a terrific tool for, for narrowing the gap between organising body and individual, be that a, a government and its citizens or a company and its staff, whatever the case may be, uh, you see some great soft and hard benefits for in respect to the adoption of this kind of tech. Uh, but we've got some really exciting stuff coming up really soon. Uh, we're in late-stage negotiations with the government in the Pacific Islands and another government uh, in Europe to be running their federal elections next year. And we're also talking with the WWF and the Red Cross Australia for membership engagement uh, and even body corporates. So, you know, even in real estate, there's uh, interesting applications for this technology where we can create efficiencies, save money and make things more secure. That's sensational. Um, and one other question, I guess, um, uh, it's leading into what you talked about. And you, you mentioned that we're, you know, the 1993 movement of blockchain. Do you think it's just going to take that sort of one iPhone, the one smartphone, or that one consumer product that's blockchain enabled that will really blow up this technology? Look, I think the killer app's already here. I think the killer app is, in fact, cryptocurrency, and I think we're going to see continued adoption of cryptocurrency in a more practical sense uh, over the coming sort of half decade. It, it really is something that applies to everybody uh, because everybody needs money. Everybody wants to spend money. Um, and so uh, unlike a specific product or service or tool which might only be applied to certain uh, people, cryptocurrency is available for everybody. And and more than anything else, it's kind of a protection against the state, which sounds a bit odd, especially in places like Australia and, and Britain, where we have stable economies, relatively. Uh, we have stable democracies, relatively. But things won't always be this way. If you look over to other countries where um, their, their economies aren't as stable and their governments aren't as above board, then you see really, really volatile currencies, local and native currencies to those regions, to those countries. And sometimes trillion-dollar notes become worth less than the paper they're printed on. And sometimes the government decides to confiscate your money and sometimes they decide to take a clip of the ticket and other times they decide to freeze your funds. You know, we're, we're approaching a time, in Australia at least, where cash is almost dead for all intents and purposes. Most consumer transactions will be on, you know, pay pass, electronic transactions, debit cards, credit cards, um, within a few years from now. And this is awesome for convenience, but it's scary in terms of uh, where this might lead us to in terms of uh, a surveillance station. Because um, if, if every transaction is basically surveilled by an institution, recorded by an institution, facilitated by an institution, such as a bank, then all of a sudden they control the entire flow of money. They're not only observers, but if push comes to shove, uh, they control it. And so... Cryptocurrency in many ways is kind of like a new cash. Uh, you, can, you can stick cash underneath your mattress 
And in a similar vein, um, you can have cryptocurrency which can't be confiscated. Uh, Eclipse the ticket can't be, can't be taken and it, it can't be uh, effectively surveilled. And that's not to say people will only want to use this for underhanded things. It's just a, a basic liberty. Uh, you know, uh, the exchange of value is a conversation. It's actually it's a matter of free speech. Um, and so people should be able to have whatever conversations they want uh, with their money. Uh, they should be able to transact freely uh, without surveillance if they choose to do so. And so, look, I think cryptocurrency is going to play an increasing role uh, into the near future. And, Jamie, just finally, um, I'm a CIO. I'm, I'm uh, 20 years into the IT industry. I, I've dabbled in blockchain, but I know I need to, to sort of consider it. What are the first steps? I guess the first, the first step is what are my problems? So rather than looking for, I guess, rather than treating this as a solution, and then finding problems for it. It's really just about existing uh, problems, identifying them, articulating them as best you can, and then you can think about if this kind of technology might be able to play some um, or all of the solution. Uh, but, but generally speaking, most of the time, blockchain isn't actually the answer. You know, there's this sort of, there's this sort of sentiment within technology at the moment where blockchain will fix everything and it just it can't and it won't. But it has, some, it has some very specific and powerful use cases right now, even with the scalability problems that exist, even, even the fact that it's really in its infancy. Uh, there's some great applications for blockchain right now uh, which can make a, a massive difference. And I think over the next five years, there are going to be even better ones as, as these technologies begin to mature as well. But yeah, I think uh, you know, the, the takeaway is really don't look for something to blockchain to solve. Let's just first fully understand what your real problems are and then choose the appropriate technology to help fix part or all of it. Jamie Skeller, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And that was the interview with Jamie Skeller. Thanks so much for joining us for the Strategy Next podcast, the inaugural Strategy Next podcast. Um, There'll be plenty more to come, um, and hopefully I'll be able to put in a better performance at explaining what technologies are next time around. So uh, stay tuned as well for the Strategy Next series. So we're hitting Melbourne and Sydney. Um, and always feel free to jump on to strategynext.com.au and uh, have a look at some of the content and, and uh, events that we're putting on in your area. So thank you very much and thanks for listening. <laughs>